What's going on, ACL Nation? It's Michelle Thompson here with Around the ACL, joined by Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. How's everyone doing today? Trey, did you have a good weekend? Yep, pretty good weekend. Uh, it's like my one weekend off before the summer onslaught. So uh, yeah. I booked all my flights this morning, and now my American Airlines app is just like I got to scroll to see my flights. So, uh, <laughs> so do you only fly stuff. American Airlines, or do you vary it up? I just fly American. This is not an ad for American Airlines. Um, uh, just because that's all there is in Charlotte. Like it, oh, got it. it makes no sense to to try and do any other airline because you just get the rewards points by sticking with one. And literally the Charlotte airport, everything is American. So I'm, you're just I've always wondered it. this because I kind of sprinkle it around. Like with all this different travel, I don't stick to one airline. So I always wondered if there was a huge advantage to just picking one, even if it was more expensive one time or, or another to get the miles built up. Anthony, how about you? How was your weekend? And do you stick with one airline or do you vary it up? Yeah, I, I vary it up. I'm, I'm big into like shopping for stuff, right? Trying to yeah. find the best deal. Um, yeah, good weekend. So first weekend without without some uh, basketball tournament. Wow. Uh, yeah, we got a we got one week break, seven weeks straight. We got a break. Uh, so my honeydew list was was on fire. The wife had me like <laughs> running all over the place. Still got into the gym. Uh, with my little guy in the morning. So he's uh, 500 shots is the goal on a, on a Saturday morning. But we get in early so that there's nobody there and we have the place to ourselves. So we were done by 10:30 in the morning, and then the honeydew list I had to start hitting that thing hard. No, oh, I'm coming strong with that to Nick because I bought a pool, an above ground pool last summer. It's still in the box. <laughs> that, oh. better get up <laughs> so I, I know that list well and his list is too long get, get to it um but speaking of this summer we've got an exciting summer coming up one of the things to look forward to are the pro shootouts um this is really fun i came in sort of halfway through the season last season and the, the first event i went to had a pro shootout and it was super fun to watch and i love the format um just to make it easy trail kick it to you to kind of explain what that process looks like for people that don't know yeah, so there's eight shootouts across the entire summer. Pretty simple. You win a shootout, you end up in the championship event. Okay, Each shootout has three individual events. You have men's singles, women's singles, and doubles. Okay, If you win the double shootout, you end up in the double shootout championship. If you win the men's singles shootout, you end up in the men's singles shootout championship. So uh, all of the events are round limited. So it's that high stakes intensity, you know, Shaking in your yeah. boots as soon as we start with round one. Yeah. Can't give up those early round big numbers. Um, round limited events and single elimination in the final bracket. So it's it is uh, it is not fun sometimes being in a single elimination round limited event. So you see a lot of upsets. See a lot of big names go down, and it just allows for a lot of different pros to kind of shine and make broadcasts. So these eight shootouts all broadcasted on CBS Sports Network. There's a total of four hours total on CBS network coverage uh, throughout the summer. So our first shootout this weekend will be in Fort Worth, Texas, where obviously the winner of each of the three different events will book a ticket into that pro shootout championship, which will take place Labor Day weekend. And I'll be out in Los Angeles, California. So nice. Uh, really excited. And then first place in doubles. You'll like this one. $100,000. Boom. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Going to the double shootout champions, $40,000 each for women's singles and for men's singles in those uh, final shootout uh, championship events too. So uh, yeah, it's an exciting, I love the, I love the shootout feel. It just, it, it just has a different, 
different energy to it. And, I, and I'm excited just to, to get back to another summer of shootouts. This is we had so much fun last summer. We get to do it all over again. Yeah, Trey, just kind of one point of clarification, because uh, for someone like yourself that lives it every day, there's a lot going on to keep track of, of all of the cornhole events going on. So yeah. this is a this is a pro only event, but it's separate from the national series, which is the regular season. Yeah. It's kind of this little side thing. And just to kind of do the math for for everybody, there's an opportunity for one player to come out with. Am I doing this math right? 90K on the season if they win both doubles and singles. Correct. $90,000 yeah. yeah, $90, just from the shootout series if they were to take down. So Jamie Graham does yes. it, what he did in Salt Lake City in at the shootout championship. He'd be $90,000 richer in September. So certainly, yeah, there's there's plenty of plenty of money to be had. And and that same weekend, you know, we'll also have the pro invitational event. I mean, that could easily be, a, you know, $100,000 plus weekend for an individual, depending on how they how, how they finish that weekend. So, you know, it's exciting. And and like you said, separate. The points do not overlap. Yeah. Each event will have rounders to do the seating. So it's not easy even if they come in and they're seated by their pro ranking. They go in, they do rounders, and they once they complete those rounders, they go into a single elimination bracket. No PDC, no U16 players competing in the shootout series okay. as well. So this is just uh, – uh, 18 and older or, or 17 and older uh, regular full-time pros competing pros. in this event. Got it. And what a great opportunity for women because there's going to be eight females that win or go to the championship, right? Just for the single side. And out of what, 34, 33? Yeah, 32. 32? Yeah, 32. Yeah. So what a great opportunity for, for women as well. And, and, and it, just to add on that, you know, one of the things, you know, you get feedback all the time. Well, why isn't women's doubles kind of on that ESPN broadcast? And sometimes my answer is yeah. just be patient. Wait until the summer. I mean, people even people don't have long enough memories to remember that Rosie Streaker was on everybody's TV for like eight <laughs> straight weeks last year. Second, second, second. <laughs> she, just, she could not win a women's singles, you know, pro shootout, but. She just kept grinding and go to every single one of them. She was on TV because each one of the CBS Sports Network broadcasts is going to guarantee airtime for women's singles, men's singles, and doubles. So this is going to be a great opportunity to showcase not only our top female pros this year, but just like last year, there's going to be an event. Maybe it's in Wichita at that shootout number seven where maybe Cheyenne and Sarah and Kaylee and Lori and all them have already qualified. Yes. And we see a broadcast event where we have maybe our 15th ranked ACL pro woman going against our 20th rank. And they're both trying to get a spot in there. So this is going to be a really good opportunity. That's part of the reason I love the shootout series so much. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about it. What are your thoughts on singles? I'll start with you, Anthony. Yeah, so I've got this roster in front of my, in front of me here. So I mean, right away you got to go to the, the like the big five. You know, hey, is Jamie Graham in it? Is Matt Guy in it? Is an Alex Rawls in there or a Josh Holland? Um, I'm kind of looking at these. I, I see all of those guys in this. I mean, we should mention Matt Guy, who was a pro last last year, did not make one of the top eight to have a chance at that big money. Now throwing really really well this this season. So. He's, I'm sure, hungry to get into the mix and uh, get into the mix of a big paycheck there. Um, yeah, I mean, all those guys are in there. I wonder strategically, Trey, where, what are your thoughts on, you know, not only do you have these round limited formats, but 
here's a good example. Let's say, you know, it's tied 12 to 12 and you're in a late round, like a seventh or eighth round. And somebody, you know, like a Storm Hogue or a Jacob Trzinski drops a level two block. At any other time, a Cheyenne Renner, you know, a Jamie Graham, they're going to fire an airmail right over the top. But in your mind, you're like, I have a tie game. I've only got a couple rounds to work right. with. Mm-hmm. I missed that airmail off the back. I'm giving up points this round. What are your thoughts on how that strategically kind of works into this? And does it favor maybe a dirty style game late in the game? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, you know, uh, I like to see who did well last year, right? Because last year is the only real data point that we have. So when you say dirty style games, who won our doubles championship? Brett Guy and Eric Davis. Eric Davis was a leader of the dirty style game. Who won our men's single shootout? Yeah, Hisner, yeah. Right? Adam Hisner. Adam Hisner was a blocker, a pusher. Maybe not the roll style game, but he was muddying up the board, using push shots when he needed to, and only utilizing that airmail in, in certain situations. Now, we didn't have a ton of female dirty style players last season, so it defaulted to our finals of Cheyenne Renner and Sam Finley, both of which I thought were really just consistent straight up the center and not taking a ton of risks. It was really trying to play a clean game, put as many bags in the hole as we could. So if that anything translates into this year, I might be apt to really agree with you that this this shootout series in particular may favor someone that has a really good roll shot that they can go to in scenarios late in games when when they need to try to put bags in the hole, but they don't want to risk giving up that first bag in the lead. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I agree completely. And so the mindset of these of these uh, you know airmail style players is, hey, if I miss this one, I'm still good. I'm, we're going to 21. But when you when you have that shot clock or that game clock in the in the, yeah. in the form of rounds, you're like, oh, maybe I just come up behind it, and that's against their normal strategy. It kind of gets them out of their gameplay a little bit. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, and so when you look at uh, it's almost like uh, you know the baseball analogy. Baseball, you're never really out of time doesn't matter. You could, right. you, you know, even if you're down to your last out, you could score 10 runs and win the game. It, this transitions cornhole from that for a select period of time over to football. And now you get the scenario of it's third and one. Okay. Or no, it's fourth and one. You're up by three. You're on like the 45 yard line. Do I play it safe and punt? give them an opportunity yeah. to go down and score a touchdown or do I go for it and take the risk and try to win the game right now? Oh, yes. And yes. that's the element. That's why I like the shootout series a lot is because no, it doesn't count for points. So that, that, that makes it a little bit easier to swallow for some of these pros because it's not affecting my ability to requalify as a pro. It's not affecting my world ranking, but at the same time, it gives us a different element to the game. So when I look at my rosters, you named off a couple I'm looking for people that have had success. You know, Brett Guy and Eric Davis, we have been talking all year how they have underperformed, but last year this was their series. They won the entire thing. Then from there, I look at who won the first shootout last year. Tom Gustafson and Steven Bernasette win the first ever pro shootout event. We haven't heard a lot from them this season. Is this an opportunity for them to bounce back at an event that they've already had success in? Or even a team like Ryan Smith and Eric Anderson, who it was because of the shootout series that they became partners 
this season. They paired up in a couple times working together and playing together as a unit. And ultimately they form now a really strong partnership together. And now they're going to try and see if they can repeat some of the success that they had last year. Um, so, you know, th- those are the ones that come out of the, uh, come out of the gate as far as big picture people I'm seeing as ones to be successful for the entire tournament. But when I look at this one in particular, I, I think this one has to come down to Texas who, who is going to defend their home turf? We have yeah. so many more Texas pros now. Is it going to be a Batson and Grindersleeve, a Gross and Sims? Is it a Deborah Odom on the women's side that comes in and defends her turf? Because like Michelle saw hands, uh, you know, uh, herself when she went to Austin, Texas, Caleb Batson did everything he could to defend his own home, home turf. Came up short to Frank Maudlin, but he was the star on the weekend that everybody saw. So, on the flip side, now we're saying, okay, who is that going to be in Texas? Is it a Jaime Sanchez and a Rollo Chavez that are kind of breaking out? Is it a Steven Wendling and Todd Bridgman that have been so far under the radar this year? So I think it's who was successful last year, and then who's going to step up and defend their home turf uh, this this weekend in Fort Worth. Yeah, I really think it's an opportunity. You kind of hit it already. It's really an opportunity for the entire field of ranks to squeeze in. I mean, here's a good stat for you. You're talking doubles already. Clemmer and Jones won shootout eight, and they were the 98th ranked doubles team. So it's really open to anybody to come in for yeah. 10 rounds and just have a really good round and have or have a good game and have a shot at 100K later. Only half of the singles field were top 10 players. The rest were outside of top 10. Same thing with doubles. So it's really open to the entire field to come in and have a solid 10 rounds to, to cash in on some big money. So that's pretty exciting. You also can pair with anybody. Is that correct? So we're going to see some random pairings happen. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see those random pairings. Who's the Jordan power and Dave Sutton right. of this year, right? That right. didn't make any sense last year, but it worked and they won. I got also, one. Even on the single side, who's the Kevin Biller of this yes, year? Yes. I mean, Kevin Biller won a shootout. I mean, that that that's just that's mind blowing. Check this one out: Damon Dennis and Jimmy McGuffin. I love that. Yeah, oh, I weekend, love that. Yeah, <laughs> it just feels right, doesn't it? Just I like mean, it feels like right. they're going to be deadly. I assume you're going to put McGuffin's going to put game changers back in his hand. Uh, that's just yeah, what Damon throws. I would yeah. think just cause they're both familiar with those, man, that'll be tough. You roll up to the board against Dennis and McGuffin. Good, good luck. I mean, that's going to be tough. A sneaky one. That's not that sneaky, but it still kind of feels sneaky is uh Trey hunt and Trey Birchfield. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Just the Trey squared team. I mean, I almost feel bad. You know, I, I, do you feel bad for Alex Rawls if Trey Hunt and Trey Birchfield win win this shootout, and now Alex right. Rawls can't play He's with finding- in doubles with Trey Birchfield for the rest of the shootout right. series? I mean, no crazy. Tony Smith, Devin Harbaugh is going to be tough, especially if that dirty style game is a factor. Um, this one was interesting. We've got a, a an old school national champ doubles team, uh, Malone and in McClem. Yes, I saw that one too. That one was interesting. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. And and to mention, I think the money is doubled from last year. Is that right, yep. Trey? Doubled, doubled. yes. Yep. Moving on up in the cornhole world. We like it. <laughs> All right, looking forward to that. We're going to go ahead and bring Mike on for Morton Corner, and he can talk to us about some stats. So welcome, Mike, to the show. 
Hey what guys, for us? Mike. Hey, I am super excited about the shootout series too. I think they're just so fun. There's such yeah. sudden death. It, the players feel the stress. I think way more in those than they do in anything else. So, Mike, I got a I got a trivia question for you before we start. Yes, Who sir. Was the first ever player to throw a perfect game in a round limited match. Matthew Morton. Matthew Morton. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. <laughs> you better know that. That was also the first the first perfect game on live TV. That is true. Yes. Beat Cheyenne Renner by about two months. She was the second to do it. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. I passed my quiz for the day. Yeah. <laughs> we don't All always. Right. I'm glad you did. <laughs> All right, so so guys, I know last week we we dove into some deep stuff. I, I I explored it a little bit more, but I'm going to try to keep it a little more on the surface this week because I know you guys have a lot of local news around the league to cover this week. So um, just as a refresher, what we talked about last week was four different statistical categories and which category might be the most accurate at predicting a player's finish within a bracket at a tournament. So the four categories were PPR, DPR, and then two that I made up, PPR plus DPR and PPR plus DPR times two. So you count DPR twice and add it to your PPR. So those were the four statistical categories. And I found last week that the most accurate was those latter ones, the PPR plus DPR and the PPR plus DPR times two were significantly more accurate um, at the national bracket um, for each one of the four brackets. So what I did this week was I dove into the overall standings. So your points rankings through three nationals. And then I did the same thing. I looked at the statistics. So not just one tournament or bracket, but I looked at the season to date for singles and did the same, uh, same analysis. So by a knockout, PPR plus DPR times two is your winner. It most closely predicts where a player has finished in the tournament. And Trey, you had asked for a line chart uh, last week. So, so here you go. I don't know if this is the exact one you were looking for, but if you look on, on the screen there, you'll see the lines that go across there. Across the bottom is... The, the player ranks one through 235 because we only have 235 pros that have played in all three events. So I couldn't count anyone that hasn't played in all three events or, or less than three events, excuse me. So 235 players, the placings are across the bottom there, their rankings. And then the lines represent each one of the statistical categories and how close they were to predicting that player's performance. So as you can see, the blue is your PPR and it was statistically the worst performer. And the worst yellow, meaning, worst meaning, it was the biggest difference. The biggest between, difference. Yeah, the biggest yeah. gap in. Okay. By the you. time we looked at all all 235 pros, the average difference uh, between the players' rank and the players' PPR was 33 points. So, for instance, you could have came in 22nd in PPR, but. 55th in points. So there's an average of 33 point gap between the two. Um, for PPR plus DPR times two, it was about 27 points. 
So about 25% better statistical performance uh, when you look at, at that. So I- Absolute I, value, correct? Absolute value, correct. So if you were, if you were five points better, um, your PPR was five points better than your points rank or five points worse, it was still a five. You missed by five. Interesting. Okay. So here, this tells, I don't know what this tells me at the beginning, at the very, very beginning of this chart, it kind of tells me that the top 10 people that are in our standings are far and away the top 10 best statistical people. And it's, they come pretty close to aligning. They, they really do. It's after about eighth place or so that you start getting some, some anomalies. Um, Damon Dennis is eighth in points, but he's 31st in PPR. So that's the first real big stretch. Um, then there's there's a few more that really blow it open. Uh, Duncan Clemmer, 12th in points, 50th in PPR, 30th in DPR. So kind of blows that out. And then the biggest one, Eric Davis, is in 15th place in points. 15th in points, but he's 153rd yeah. in PPR. <laughs> and he's only 39th in DPR. So he is he is well outperforming his statistics. Yeah, that is interesting. You can see that. I think that big shoot up in the blue line it is specifically thanks to Eric Davis. Yes, it is specifically because of Eric Davis. But then it stays up there. Yeah. Yes. Which is interesting. It stays up there. So I mean, that's across the board as as you look down all the way through the stats. Um, it, it's clear. PPR was your fourth worst performer. So I think what this, based on seeing that, I'm going to, I'm going to conclude something different from your graph and not, not contradictory, but just different yeah. than something that you did is that statistics are really, really accurate at predicting where you're going to finish for the top five to 10%, maybe in top 5%, I would even say 10%. Top 5% or so. Aside from that, it's really, really a crapshoot. It could, I, it, it, it's a lot bigger variability. And I think part of that is if I think about it, okay, and it makes sense to me, right? If I shoot an 11 PPR, I'm going to win pretty much every game I play, right? If I shoot a 9.8 PPR every single game, there are going to be games when someone ceilings above me and then floors below me and then ceilings above me and then floors below me. And so let's say I play four games where someone's ceiling, floor, ceiling, floor, or someone goes floor, ceiling, ceiling, floor, or they go ceiling, ceiling, floor, floor. That could be the difference between going two and two with two wins in the winner's bracket, two losses in the loser's bracket in that sequential order, which realistically gives me a top, 60% finish. Right. But if I go loss, loss, win, win, I'm now at best, at best finishing 49th in my bracket. So times right. four, I'm, I'm barely getting into 200. And that's if I continue winning my entire thing. So as I think through that logically, those stats somewhat make sense to me, actually. Stats usually do when you really when you really <laughs> pull all the layers away and get right down to it. You're absolutely right. And I'll go you one one step further. 
I, I did not look at this, but I would be more than willing to bet. If you look at the bottom five to 10%, stats can accurately predict the bottom five to 10% as well. It's, it's I was actually going to say it was bigger than that because after 100, that, that actually stabilizes. If you see all of them, they start to get this kind of linear, you know, just a straight line across. So you're getting a pretty stable difference. Yes. You know, after about 127, let's say. So it looks like it's easier to predict after 127. But like Trey was saying, between 15 and 127, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. But it, yeah, if you notice down uh, at the very end of the chart, it's starting to tail downwards. Which yep. meaning is which means as we got to the lower end of the standings, the stats were getting more and more accurate again. Okay. So they were bringing that tail end down. So you know, the, at the very beginning, pretty accurate. At the very end, I would say they're pretty accurate. But the more you are in the middle, the the more variability there can be. And there's always exceptions. And just for fun, um, I pulled up the uh, some individual performances that just kind of stuck out as anomalies. So um, I mentioned Eric Davis earlier, his DPR rank was 39 PPR was 153. He had the largest gap between the two ranks. Yeah. Uh, the next um, focused on PPR was Gage Landis was DPR 43 PPR of 143. And then um, on the other side of the coin, high uh, PPRs, but low ranking in the DPRs, we had Josh Bordelon, who is ranked 81st in PPR and 182nd in DPR. So 101 point difference there. And then Leston Allen ranked 46th in PPR, but only 134th in DPR. So there are just some, some weird little fluky things that, that uh, caught my attention. And it's those players that cause the, the stats to be a little more wild there. Um, yeah, that's our. Those are our versions of an NFL team going eight and eight and losing six three point games, right. like by a field goal, or a team that went twelve and four and they won six games by three or less <laughs> points. Right? Absolutely. You're gonna just like other sports, we're gonna get that variability in between those different two different stuff. And, and, stuff and, like. And the last thing that I will tell you is that the deeper we get into the season, the more the more events and the more stats we put in here, 100%, those gaps, I, I proved this last year, those gaps go down. So that average of 33 uh, for PPR and average of 27 for the other stat will shrink probably to about 27 and 21 by the end of the year as people start to settle into where they really belong in the stats and the rankings. Yeah, and this is why I brought up Joe Neistead last week because he's a statistical anomaly and that how the heck are you in the top five of all of those statistical categories? <laughs> and and you ha and he's like, I don't know, 20-something or 30-something. Like, yeah, I, I don't understand that. So it's almost like he has – like he's due. Like if it wasn't this national that just passed, it's happening at the Nest Nationals. How do you rank <laughs> so high and not get the result? It's so weird. And the odds are by the end of the year, he's going to come back to some sort of middle ground. Either he's going to get a great finish to match his stats or his stats right. are going to dip to, to match where he is in standings, most likely. Yes, sir. All right. Well, guys, I know you guys have a lot to talk about. I appreciate uh, Let me come on and talk nerd stuff for a little while. Thank you, Mike. Yep. PPR plus DPR times two. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, if you're good, you're good. If you're not, you're not. And other than that, it could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. M M Michelle's awake now. 
<laughs> All right, guys, let's move on. Thanks, Mike, for coming on. All right, take care. Thanks, Mike. All right, we're going to keep our conversation going here, going into our Super Hole. Uh, so far, our winners have been Rosie Streaker and Terry Kirby. They were in Las Vegas. In Atlantic City, Jacob Trzinski and Mike The Situation. In Salt Lake City, Jimmy Humans and Joe Baena. And then just this past weekend, Trey Birchfield and Shamar Moore over there in Airmail City. Um, really fun times. Uh, what do you guys want to chat about here in the Super Hole discussion? Yeah, I think it's just worth worth noting that, you know, I think the Super Bowl has brought a different energy and a different uh, flair to the, to the pro division this year, which which I think has been fun. Um, you know, I think everybody expects Trey Birchfield and Shamar Moore to kind of run away with, with this. But <laughs> Unfair advantage. What, Terry <laughs> Kirby, Terry Kirby was pretty darn good. I True. mean, yeah. him and Rosie are going to give – I think Shamar and Trey, everything they can handle at that Super Bowl three championship. Yeah, just trying to decipher all of these. So we talked about you've got the pro only national national season. You've got the shootout pro only. This is something completely different, even though it's kind of, you know, they're both going to be in L.A. and it's the top eight, which could kind of get confusing. And it was kind of confusing for me, too. This is something completely different. And Trey, is this what we is this what you also called the pro invitational? Is this uh, in that or is that something different? That's another no, thing. Yeah. A whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. so this Super Bowl three, the Super Bowl three, all these different celebrity pairings, they're all playing for a chance to be in the Super Bowl three championship. That event will take place at the 2022 ACL World Championships on Friday, and it will be a part and headline the ESPN eight, the Ocho Day, which. Every year, ESPN changes ESPN2 to be ESPN8, the Ocho, for one day. So that one day a year, we're going to have uh, have it be uh, headlined by the Super Bowl Three championship, okay. uh, where all these celebrities and pros will go head-to-head. Which is another chunk of change up, up for grabs, right? Is this the 100K? Yeah, this one's $100,000, and this Woo! one is, is all be- this one's all benefit towards celebrities and what charity they'd like it to go through. Go gotcha. For, though. This one gotcha. is This one is... Uh, charitable. Awesome. Yep. Yep. And so it are additional invitees to the championship in August are Ryan Smith and Marty Smith, not related. <laughs> and then Matt guy and Doug Flutie from, and there, so the Ryan Smith, Marty Smith was from world 2021. And then Matt guy and Doug Flutie, the super hole two, were they the champions or what? Yeah. Cause super I didn't hole see two champions. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Hey, awesome. before we move on me, I mean, we got to give a shout out to Bernie. This yeah, dude. Bernie, yeah. Go Bernie. Yeah. Come on. He was like, yeah. he was, he was playing. He had a Jeff McGarriger hat on. He had a Trey Ryder <laughs> hat on. He was running the show. I thought he did a really good job. Good job, Bernie. I was, I was honestly, and, and I told him this and he didn't believe me. You know, how Bernie is, he's so self-deprecating, yeah. but like, I was like, genuinely, I was really impressed. He drove that show. I mean, and he was doing it with someone that had not done it before. And he was right. doing something that he had not done before. So yes. Shout out Bernie. Especially with Shamar's uh, monologue on the front end. Yeah. Hey, he was going. Bernie's like, okay, you, you've talked enough. Bernie now understands what it's like to be me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, wrap it up. <laughs> All right. Moving into news around the league. And boy, did we have some news around the league this weekend. All right. We got the Mid-East Conference event for advanced singles. Devin Harbaugh took first. Gabe Dolan second. Advanced doubles. Adam Hisner and Cody Henderson take first. And Chucky Love and Timmy Jonas. Uh, those are some um, names we've been waiting to see. At least Adam Pisner, Cody Henderson. Good to see their names up there. Uh, the Great Lakes Conference event. 
Advanced singles, Mark Richards first, Jordan Power second, and then doubles, Mark Richards and Philip Lopez, and then Joe Neistat, there he is, and Nico Morales. <laughs> so he did get a, a second hey. place there, Anthony. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, Florida State Championship, advanced singles, Alex Rawls took first and Dalton McClem second. And then the brothers, Allen and Alex Rawls took first in advanced doubles. And Ryan Love and Stephen Hun uh, took second in the doubles. Moving on to the Iowa State Championship, advanced singles, Carson Getty took first, Jalen Jones second. For doubles, Jalen Jones and Lowen Reams, Trevor Thien and D Damon Reynolds took second. Oregon State Championship for advanced singles, Philip Swanson took first, Justin Rich second. It doubles Hayden Gonzalez and Cohen Schultz, Scott Phillips and Scott Eberly took second. And lastly, at the Washington State Championship, advanced singles, Bryson Bland took first, Emery Thomas second. And for advanced doubles, Derek Lucas, Let Lamini, Barry Tormolin, and Justin Molina. The names on that one, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> and see. Good job. Good job, Michelle. Everybody, round of applause, Michelle. That was, uh, that was a lot of, yeah. lot of names. That's a lot of state championships. Is is there like a standard season for state championships or just kind of whatever the state wants to kind of do their thing? So, uh, so each conference has to run three events a year. So, and then each conference has uh, each one of the states within the conference has a state tournament. So the three conference events you run are two conference tournaments and then a state tournament for each of the okay. states. So um, really it's up to the conference turn uh, conference directors and the state directors to decide when those two conference tournaments are going to be. And then when each of the state tournaments are going to be, so it can be any time throughout the season. Yeah. Ours was Watch in it. July last year. I was surprised that these were happening because we already had some earlier, like a month or so ago, for some reason I was picturing they had, they came later in the season, but I guess you can do, yeah, do them whenever you can do them whenever. Yeah, pretty much. But as far as these go, I mean, the two ones that stand out to me, Alex Rawls and Mark Richards sweep. I mean, it that tells you I mean, they're hot right now. Mm -hmm. They're not, I mean, they're the best players in the world and they're they're showing it right now. So I was I was thoroughly impressed to see them sweep both of them. Um, in particular, Florida, I think Florida and the Mideast actually both looked sticky and hot. Yeah. So if there was some uh bag runners in there, I I, I didn't necessarily say to myself, that's a bad thing. Like even seeing Chucky Love in second place, I was like, wow, that's impressive. Cause, cause I heard it was pretty tacky, pretty hot, humid. So, um, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna affect, affect people. So, um, so yeah, but it was a no, Richards a no, Rawls. a no AC situation. <laughs> so in, in Ohio, I believe is what I read for Ohio. So I've been, I've been there. I know what that's like. And those are some different board conditions for sure. All right. Moving yep. into buy or sell. Let's go into, uh, we want to know, buy or sell that these players make it into the top eight of the men and women for the 2022 ACL Pro Invitational. All right. So the first one we got is Damon Dennis, number eight for our men's, obviously. Buy or sell, Trey? Yeah, I'm buying it. I, I he, he had a first half of the season that we were just like, yeah, it's okay, right? And then... For him through the first half of the season to be okay or three quarters of it now and be at eight, that tells me he's really, really close. I mean, he made it to a bracket final at the last event. So he gets to drop one of those first two events in or in standings. So I, I think he's talented enough. I think, he, and, and I think he gets it done. I'll say bye. Yep. Anthony. Yeah. I'm going to align with that. And here's why. And, and one thing we have to, we have to think about, is this is all about points, right? And um, you could basically lock up five baggers for top eight. 
you know, Jamie Graham, Alex Rawls, Matt Guy, Mark Richards, and Josh Holland. I mean, they're just so consistent. They're places across all of the nationals. They have freebie performances that they can drop, and they've got these buffers in points that it's really going to be difficult to knock one of those out. I mean, kind of here's the rule of thumb. You know, it, it's it's four points is, is every position. So if you look, Jamie Graham's 56 points ahead of the eight spot. So he wow. could essentially take 13th place in his bracket, not in the tournament. He could take 13th place in his bracket and still be top eight. So really someone like Damon is, is fighting for, for three spots. I mean, you've got a Tanner Halbert that's right behind him. He's less than one position finish behind him. So Tanner finishes ahead of him at the next Nationals. He takes his spot. Devin Harbaugh and Noah Almanza, only two positions behind him. So they take two positions above. They take his spot. So it's going to get it's going to get really tight. But I, I'm with you, Trey. He has a 33rd place that he can drop. So he's still sitting right in there with a 33rd place in his finishes. He replaces that. He's going to be looking really good for a top eight. So I'm going to buy that one. Oh, you brought up the next one already. Devin Harbaugh, number ten, buy yeah. or sell, Trey? I'm going to sell it. Um, one, he's got a long place to go, and unlike Dennis, right? I don't, Dennis is, is, I like where Dennis is because he's got a really high finish and a really low finish. Well, the really low finish can essentially be blanked and pushed away, right? Whereas if someone has consistent and pretty high finishes and they finish that exact same place at the fourth national, you're dropping essentially something that was worth the same amount of points. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't look at Harbaugh's finishes exactly, but Dennis, like I said, has that high and low. And if I have to find someone outside the top ten, outside the top eight to jump into the top eight, that means you got to kick somebody out. And I just don't see Damon Dennis moving. Nope. Anthony. Trey, we're on the way, same wavelength on this one. Just, just he's got a 29th, a 17th, and a 17th. It's, it's, it's consistent enough to be top ten, but it's not consistent enough, in my opinion to be top eight. Um, I've I've been fully expecting him to bust through a a bracket final at this point, but we just haven't seen it. So I'm with you. I'm going to sell. I think he can finish top 10 still, but top eight is just too tight. I think it's just outside of his grab. All right. How about Matthew Creek killer? He's at number seven. Buy or sell. For me, it's exact same reasoning. He's one and he's finished abysmally, right? So like, he finishes okay and he's going to he's going to jump points right he could legitimately finish worse than devin harbaugh at the last national and still gain points on devin harbaugh because, because it's about what he can drop and what harbaugh has to accept in his finishes i'm buying it anthony i'm right there with you how the heck you go from such a dominating performance in atlantic city to 25th in salt lake like he rolled so hard. I was like, he's 25th blew my mind. And like you said, let's not forget he had a 41st at the kickoff battle. Too inconsistent. I'm going to sell. He's, he's not, he's not going to make the top eight. Oh, I bought it. Yeah. I bought it. I'm selling. I'm selling. I'm selling. You're selling. Yeah. Okay. So you disagree on that one. All right. Yes. Cameron Belvin is number 10 right now. What do we think? Buy or sell? Hard. Women, it's harder because. Yeah. It is because there's like you have one. Look what happened to Connie Altice. She had boom. one good performance. Boom, she's in there. So I'm gonna buy it because I just expect Cameron Belvin to have a good, solid run, 
if at either the last national or worlds. And when you talk about the women's ranks, that one really strong finish can be enough to propel you. So I'll buy on Belvin. Trey, we're, we're, we're right there. You have the same argument, but I'm going to go a different way. Um, like you said, it's way more difficult to predict. Uh, you brought up the Altice in one good national. She went from the 18th spot in females to the fourth. So it, right. the, 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 the jump could be huge. The thing is, Cameron has to go through a Miranda Coy or a Megan Maupin or hope for a really poor showing from a Whitney Martinez, which is possible from a Whitney Martinez. I'm real impressed with where she's hanging in there, but she could have one of those abysmal performances. I'm going to sell. I just think that going through a Megan Maupin and a Coy to get to the eighth spot is going to be tough. Uh, I think she's uh, right outside that at like nine or 10. Oh, well, that's the next one. Lori Jules at number nine. What do we think? Buy or sell? <laughs> I feel like I have to pick between Miranda Coy and Lori Duel here. Yes. I feel like you're saying you have to pick one. <laughs> and I think I'm going to go with Coy. I, I think I'm going to sell it. I I just, I've seen too much up and down from Duel and not enough really strong dominating performances, which at times I get from Coy. Um, I think if Coy focuses... And she really hones in on these next two events. She can secure a spot in that top eight. So I'll, I'll sell on duel. Anthony. Uh, I'm going the other way. I'm with you. This yeah. one's tough. This one's super tough. You can go either way, way on it. I, I feel like duels trending up. Uh, and I feel like she'll make a move at the next national in worlds enough to sneak into a top eight. I'm, I'm going to buy that one. All right. So we had a couple agreements, but a lot of disagreements. That's always fun. All right, let's talk about that open number 12 coming up this weekend. We talked about the shootout earlier. I'm sorry, the uh, yeah, the shootout earlier. But let's talk about the actual open event uh, where we have our singles and doubles. Anthony, why don't you start us off with some thoughts on singles? Yeah, sure. So we're going to get a lot of overlap, right? Because we have the trade, right? We have the shootout and the open at the same location. Same location. The only difference is, is that because of some logistics, the shootout is going to be played inside. But actually, the open is going to be played outside. Oh, so okay. It is, it is, it is going to be the one. Oh, we like outside. to target one event a year taking place outside, and this will be the one event of the year. Well, I guess we'll have, uh, you know, Spencer McKenzie's and the and that shootout outside have we as well. Up the so. uh, the Fort Worth, Texas weather this weekend. So if you looked last week, it was a hundred. Oh. But yeah, but this if you look now, I believe it's like eighty three. So it's going to well, be hot. It's going to be hot, but it's it, it wow. Yeah, so that, take that um, into consideration. Oh, yeah, so it is. it says like 98, 99, 97 this week, but it's dropping by this weekend, by even the 79, so it's looking it's looking okay. All right, everybody take a deep breath. So, so that's significant. Uh, we're saying the Open is outdoors. It was the Open that was outdoors, yes. right? Not the, open yeah, is so outdoors. Automatically, I'm drawn to players that throw a really nice flat bag and something that's not really high. I mean – Someone like a Philip Lopez who throws a really front-loaded bag, he's going to struggle outside. But then someone like a Jay Rubin and a Jordan Power who throw really hard, flat bags, I think that they have the edge in this one. I really like them for, for an outside performance with like a, a Jay Rubin and a Jordan Power. We're seeing some other cool mix-ups. You got like a Wooten and a Thorn. You know, they're probably coming out of Airmail City as partners going right from L.A. Uh, to Texas. Um, I like them. 
Austin Slobom and Frank Mollin, again, Frank Mollin doesn't throw the most beautiful bag. You get a little wind in there and he might struggle a little bit. Yeah. Um, Jamie Graham and Kaylee Hunter both throw beautifully flat bags. I think they'll be able to cut. And the idea is you're able to cut through that wind, right? You're reducing your surface area and your bag is just really cutting through the wind and instead of catching it like a kite. So I don't know. What do you think, Trey? Yeah. So we have, what do we have? 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. We have five opens left of, of all of them. And all the rest are overlapped by a shootout, which means they're going to be littered with pros. So my mindset around these opens personally is changing. It's no longer, I'm no longer looking to see what events the pro are the pros going to bring it right. Are they going to, because really what the pros are doing, they're traveling to compete in the shootout and they're getting bonus, the bonus, right. And so they get to play in both. So my focus is now we are late enough in the season that I get to change my focal point onto what are, who are our prospects for the 2023, 2024 rookie class in the pro division. Those that now want to find themselves traveling to opens littered with pros, no longer sprinkled littered with pros. And it's not going to be like an open Iowa where there's seven pros. And if someone sneaks into a final four, it's, you know, well, they had to go, they had to beat one pro on their way there. And it was 21, 19, yada, yada, yada. No, no, no. If you want to be a pro next year, now is the time to prove it. Show me that you can go to Fort Worth, Texas that has yes. that has over 100 pros registered. And if and if a non-pro can make it through this field, I'm not even saying make a final four, but if someone can finish top 10 in this absolutely stacked field, that becomes someone I watch the rest of the season and I look to be a strong candidate for a pro next season. So who am I talking about? Some of the people I'm looking at are Kobe Costanza, our national college yeah. cornhole champion in singles, already won an open in doubles. Can he do it on the single side in this field? Another one is Ryan Wiedenfeld. We had yeah. talked about him previously this season. He's been one of the top players outside of the pro division. Excited to see how he performs this this weekend, even a Justin Burton Jr., one of those yep. Texas kids that we've been talking about. He, pl- he played really well this year. And then on the women's side, I'm watching Lexi Hugeback. She's a player that had a, has, has really come out. She won a women's singles event at an Open already this season. How does she do in the grand scheme of things? Is this someone that can be like a Sarah Cassidy, a Cheyenne, where they can she can win a bunch of games in pro singles even a, in pro singles, not just a women's singles player. So uh, all of those are some that I'm looking at. And even, you know, what else I'm, I'm, I really excited to watch Jordan Camba. Okay. Obviously has to sit out this season because of a suspension. He's, we think back next season. And so where is that game, right? Is, is he still sharp? Is he ready to go? And if so, can he play at a really high level in an event that's got a ton of pro players back? Oh, he's coming back and he's working and he's doing everything to to fix it and do everything right. He wants to come back to this league. So he, he's going to be grinding for sure. Lexi teaming up with Trey Birchfield. So she scored a really good partner. Here's a good opportunity to show that she can hang with the big boys too and the big gals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I wonder I mean, 
if we're going to have a Jimmy Humans Emily Downer kind of situation with that right. pairing, or you know, where we see this this female really shine. Okay, last time we were in Texas for an open shootout. Trey Birchfield pairs with a non-pro player that was rising in the ranks, and they end Ooh. up winning the entire open. Who is it, Anthony? Gore? Alex Hicks. Hicks. Alex Hicks. Alex Even I knew Hicks. that one. Oh, he, he won with both of them, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. right. So Trey Birchfield, Alex Hicks win last year in Texas at an open shootout. Maybe is that when they went season? through? Yeah, they went through the guys, I think, to get there, didn't they? Yep, went through the guys. Now I also look at, okay, who is – we had one outside event last year, okay? Who won that? If you look in singles, it was Ryan Smith. In doubles, it was Noah Wooten and Cameron Belvin. Yeah, yeah. One outside. So. Outside, yeah. And Ryan, by the way, said he likes to throw outside. We had we interviewed him right after that. So I was going to bring that up. Watch out for him. Uh, he, he really likes to throw outside. He's the one that threw his bags in the water. Just get them wet since we're going to be playing with them wet, like things like that. So I like the way he thinks. <laughs> All right, moving on to our hot takes, our holy hot takes. Uh, Trey, you got your hot take ready? I got my hot take ready. Uh, I like home field advantage. A player from Texas either wins women's singles, men's singles, or doubles at the shootout this weekend. Okay, I like it. Anthony, what you got? I'm going to go to a shootout doubles uh, winner this week. I think the defense and strike dirty game will be significant in the round limited. Um, and we see a true dirty style doubles team win. And I think it's going to be either Storm Hogan, Trzinski, or Cobb Humans with the W in the shootout. Okay, I thought you were going to take mine, but you didn't. I'm picking Eric Davis. He's winning either singles or doubles on that. I got, I got a, he's got a, he's, he's due. He's got to do in the shootout. In the shootout? Yeah, in the shootout. Okay, on, I like it. Yep, yep. I got you. It's round limited. Play dirty. He's, he's due for a win. I think it's coming this Max. weekend, and that is it. So that's all we got time for. Everyone have a blast in Texas this weekend, whether you're there or watching it on your phones or streaming or TV, and we will see you all next time.